Good morning, Stefan. Good morning, Jamie. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I've just uh, been bliss, blissfully absorbed in my morning playlist. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. What a great way to start the day. <laughs> I just got up. I got, well, I got up. I turned, I turned the um, stereo. Well, we don't call it the stereo anymore, but Bluetooth to the Sonos speakers. <laughs> <laughs> open the open the curtains and then climb back on bed and watch the fog roll over the buildings and oh, listen to beautiful. my listen to uh the band and zz top and leonard skinnard and molly hatchet and uh little feet all right <laughs> <laughs> songs got, from days of yore <laughs> got, the, got the full 70s road trip going oh, great no that's so awesome what a nice way to start a day that sounds really beautiful yeah I like ending the day like that too yeah I'll just put I'll just put the music on and then set a timer I wish uh, one of the features I'd like for the iPhone timer is I'd like for the iPhone timer to be able to fade the music out yeah that's actually would, a great you should put that request in <laughs> put that in uh because that would be that would that would um make it easier to fall asleep to music yeah right? it would yep, just it fade just out drift off yep yeah so stop no that's that's really cool i like that yeah so good energy <laughs> <laughs> oh that's really good Man, well, how how has your week been? Wow, very eventful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Filled with filled with uh, filled with excitement, betrayal. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like an episode of The Guiding Light. <laughs> days of our these are the days, days of, our, of lives. our lives. General Hospital. <laughs> yep. It's like an episode of General Hospital. Um, tell me more. Well, I I can't tell you. I can't tell a lot in details. Um, I understand that. <laughs> I, I can't tell a lot in details, but um, the bottom line is somebody somebody did something. Um, someone who uh, we really like did something that broke their responsibility mm. to their profession to wow. the company to the company that they work with to their profession and to their friends oh that's heartbreaking when that happens and i have and to it's say just, it's just dumb it's yeah. just it was just dumb something really dumb petty small but the way the person dealt with this dumb, petty, and small incident, they didn't see it. They didn't think it was wrong. They lied to cover it up. Oh, which just makes it worse. This is like having children. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, this is the equivalent of having, of catching um, a six-year-old with the hand in the cookie jar Mm -hmm. and uh, five minutes later like that wasn't me 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't no, do I that. Didn't do it. I didn't do that. You, <laughs> it was okay. You told me I could have a cookie. <laughs> three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three days ago. Exactly. Yeah. One no, cookie. Three days ago. It's a new day, new time. You have crumbs. I, I know what happened here. That's, you know, yeah. It, it, it's, it's heartbreaking though, because the trust element, right? Like the trust, the friendship, well, like, and this is this is somebody I expected to have spend a lot of my energy with, spend more future time with to enjoy. Um, and so um, it was an opportunity. Um, and it's 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 uh, still so close and it's still not resolved. So it, we I can't really talk about any of it in much detail, yeah. but the, the point is, the point is that it gets those of us involved to focus on, well, what do we really want and need right now out yeah. of this? And how can we, how can we be kind and thoughtful and actually uh, be conscious of what everyone in this situation needs yeah. or what they're wanting and what the, what this behavior is calling out right because there's no there's no use in punishing or trying to change it or it happened yeah and so now it's like well how do we move forward yeah because how yeah, do we move it, forward because there's no there's no fixing this there's no there's no going backwards because we we have to move forward there's we have an imperative to move forward yeah now. and that's and and so uh but i think the the biggest thing is feeling the betrayal at a number of different levels of yeah. but and it's not betrayal of me directly i could take it personally sure but it's just it's just the sadness of like, wow, I had higher expectations of this person. Yeah. And I was hoping that this person could grow with us as we grow professionally, as we grow as an organization, as we right. Yeah. And, then, and grow yeah. as a grow as a friend. But now it's like, well, my loyalty is to those those of us who are functioning above board right yeah. like the those in the company who are functioning um at a high level and wanting to grow personally professionally and as an enterprise and um you you just revealed which direction you want to go in Ugh, that's painful <laughs> it's just yeah. i mean i really you know i can relate on that i've been in some really interesting situations where you just think like really like like this could be so good without you know ego or greed or and I, you know and I don't know yes. the context specifically I, I have a general you know context yeah but well, we um, can we can talk about it off off the yeah. air as professionals but but it's yeah, not it's, it's not appropriate to go into any any detail the yeah. the bottom line is is it's how how do you deal with obvious this obvious betrayal in any business situation? And then how do you move on as quickly as possible? Right. You know, and 
without judge, without judgment, yeah. without, without judgment, without, uh, wanting retribution. Sure. Um, but to move forward as quickly as possible, because we have so many positive things that we exactly. need and want to focus on, <laughs> you know, this actually, you know, there's the context of, of the business life, but there's also, I relate to this in a lot of what Zia, my daughter, Zia, and I have been through. Um, she's all, we're on the cusp of 14. We're all, we'll be 14. She'll be 14 in two weeks. And, and I have to say like with, with this one, the trust has been broken, right? Like just over and over and over. And like, for me, like the, the consequences of doing something wrong, I had to like move, I had to move those over and focus on, I just need you to be honest with me if I ask you a question. So, okay, so like, I guess where I'm relating this to this context with Zia is, is that the trust is, I've been lied to, I've been, and but then, you know, the truth always is pretty clear. And so like, we have to learn to move forward, right? Like we can't go change what was done. We can't undo what has been done, but like, I love and care for this person, right? Like I, I, and I need to be able to extend trust, but when it's been broken and broken and broken, and then like one of our more recent incidents, here was a funny one. I picked her up from the school bus and I looked at her and I said, are you high? <laughs> and she said, yes. Like there was kind of a long pause. And I was in this moment of being kind of torn, right? Like I, and I said this to her, I said, I am jubilant about your honesty. <laughs> I am disappointed about your decision, but let's focus on the honesty of the honesty of telling the truth in the moment, because historically that has been our bigger problem. Um, yeah. And so like, I'm like really excited about the progress of, of truth and honesty in the moment, not later. And, and so I want to celebrate that. And I want to like put focus on that, not the focus on the wrongdoing, even though the wrongdoing is still an issue here. <laughs> like, Oh, I was so torn, but like, I just, I feel like I relate in a lot of what you're saying. It's like, you, you can't change what has been done. You can only move from where you are right now and move forward and yes. how to do that constructively is, you know, it's, it, that's the, the question and how do we navigate this in a way that's healthy and constructive? And, you know, this person I am imagining on your, in your story is very aware of the wrongdoing now. I mean, may have been all along the way, but like, oh, yeah, apologetic. Only after the confrontate, only after uh, confrontate, only after confrontation of yeah, like having you know, been caught. The fact of <laughs> what? Well, yes, exactly. The, I think the thing. I mean, I love this example with your daughter because that's a breakthrough. Yeah. It, right. It, it it's is a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's easy to see what a, what a great, um, what a breakthrough that is. The, the trick is to not take it personally, right? The, the right. lying 
yep. or the bad behavior. The trick is, it's not, it is not a, um, it's not something, des- something that's designed to make you feel bad. Right. It is some, the behavior is something that's designed to fill a need or an emptiness or a place that that is lacking mm-hmm. in in that person who's broken our trust right it's like exactly. like right. nail on the head exactly and <laughs> right. yet trying to surface what that thing is can be uh, like a mystery right like i feel like scooby-doo here like it's like <laughs> a mystery to unravel like what is the what is it we're trying to fill what's the void um you know like <laughs> yeah well i mean for kids for kids who are 14 Belonging, school school yep, sucks the yep. world is very judgmental i'm a uh, and for females especially everybody's so perfect right everybody's projecting this perfection i'm not perfect right and then, um, yeah the there's so many there's so there's one. so many yeah uh, there's so many um uh unrealistic and um fabricated expectations uh illusion there are so many illusions that are projected upon me right yeah and so how do i temper that well one way to temper it is to get high one way to temper it is to drink one way to temper it is go rock climbing (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and that's really that's really it is trying to find more productive outlets and yes and that's um and ways to build esteem, right? If you build esteem, you don't care what other people think. You know, and that's that's what I, I think what I what I struggle with, I think, is like remembering what it's like to be 13, but also like like in a different world. Like this is a different 13 than the 13 I grew up with. And even though I had my own struggles and acceptance and belonging, I was awkward and, and weird and got made fun of. And I had at, at 13, I had lost my brother and people kind of like kept their distance with me um, because I had lost someone because there was a death. And so it was like, you know, there were people who were close to me, but then a lot of people didn't know how to interact with me. And, yeah. and I didn't know how to interact with people, I think a little bit, and, but you know, it's just so, I it just have such a different relatability and I didn't have social media and I didn't go to a school like she goes to it's an art school but it's it's a very urban uh based arts school right and there's just there's a lot um there's a lot of different stuff than I I grew up in you know on the contrast very rural um Nevada, right? And she's grown up in a very urban school with a lot of people. And, you know, my graduating class was 38 and she has, you know, like at least that per class, I would say, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very different world than mine. And I'm trying to be understanding and, and learn as I go as well. Right. And, and, and try to say like, okay, well, sure. It's not the worst thing that could happen. You like getting high, um, getting stoned, with marijuana no it's not the worst thing but it is illegal for you at 13 (laughs) like you know like it's not legal like yes it's legal in nevada that doesn't mean that it is legal for you to do in the bathroom at school (laughs) like yeah so you know there's just uh 
we have we have some gaps to fill and and it's just yeah trying to navigate those is a it's an ongoing challenge it has been an ongoing challenge and yeah yet we made some huge progress right and well i remember at that age that everyone who was in the boy scouts at my i mean i i had two i had two very contrasting worlds at that age in high school my first two years of high school were in new york where i grew up in a very uh, um, suburban environment in a high school that had 3,000 plus students in it. And uh, so there were all kinds of places where you could go and fit in and find a peer group and yeah. or, get, or get into trouble. And then, um, and then later on, after my sophomore year, my family moved to rural Washington. So I had a similar situation. Yeah, It's a small logging town. There was one black family in town. That was the, that was the extent of ethnic diversity. There were no Hispanic, no Hispanic people. There was no other ethnicity other than white rural Washingtonians and yeah. most of them were in the logging. Many of them were in the logging industry or families that were part of the local economy, the local mercantile store, the local gas stations, the local doctor. All, all They all had, you know, they were all their kids were in the school and there were maybe 90 kids in my entire graduating class. And that environment was just filled with... Um, it was just dangerous. People were like shooting guns out behind the school. They were yeah, like dead, yeah. dead, dead crows showing up in our lockers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't were... think we had that, but we definitely had, you know, that's, that was like a, a common pastime was like, they, I, I hate even saying it, but they, um, some of the local boys would go out in their trucks and they did bunny bashing which is I just think horrible but like you know just the, that was like a small town pastime and it, it's just so weird <laughs> but that's what yeah, yeah I, mean, I grew up around that I mean kids came to kids came to school with rifles in the back of their pickups yeah like that was, was certainly not that, something that, no we never normal. had a school shooting or anything you know I mean no. it was just this is how we grew up, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. That very rural <laughs> sort, of, sort of upbringing. And, and yeah, I grew I mean, yeah. I grew up, speaking of guns, I, you know, I grew up with a ex-military Marine who yeah. loved guns, but also respected proper usage well, of, of guns. But yeah. Well, we had, we had all, we had all of that. We had my dad also ex-Marine. He was yeah. on the Marine, Marine Corps pistol team. He was a national champ. There were lots of guns in the house. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's even a, there's even a bullet there. Well, the door doesn't exist anymore, but there was in college, there was a bullet hole right through the middle of the front door because, wow. because my dad happened to be showing oh. off his guns in the house. Oh my gosh. Wow. I didn't, didn't check to see if there was a round in the chamber of his service wow. 45. I don't think we ever had a, 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 yeah, a weapon go off in the house, but I can tell you stories of some of the weapons I discovered in the house. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I was we... like, dad, what's this? I found something during hide and seek. 
I was like, dad, what is that up there? You know, like I pointed to where, where he kept it. And, and I was like, what is that? He's like, oh, that's a laws rocket. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was growing oh, up in my yeah. house. Found that well, during we, hide and seek, right? Like, we, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have a laws rocket, but we, <laughs> we did have, we did have armor piercing rounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We had armor piercing rounds in the attic. In a, oh in, my gosh in bandoleros like yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh it's so you know and it's like i i don't mean to make light of it like especially given a lot of the world situations with guns and and all of that but like that was our reality right that's the reality that we grew up with and it, that was normal for us like even that was always even at the time i was like oh my gosh like what did i just find you know it was not a normal household for sure yeah but but yeah. um but yeah, yeah this I, was normal. Yes. And, and though I I I knew my I know my dad would have never marched on Washington. Yeah, same. I my dad right? wouldn't have either. My yeah, dad would ever. have never done that. Mm-hmm. Right. He didn't he he would have known that was stupid. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so um I feel like but, that as well and yeah. But I think the point I started at when I got into this long rambling <laughs> thing what I started at is even at 13 growing up in New York where there were lots of activities and lots of um, things to do. My schoolmates, we were in the Boy Scouts and a lot of kids when we were in the Boy Scouts, the reason you would go to the Boy Scouts is because you could just get out in the wilderness Yeah, and everybody'd set up their tents and then half of the guys would just be smoking dope every night and so funny. and getting high and you know the weed wasn't nearly as good as it is now <laughs> but people still did it as and i think that's just part of the teenage brain right it's like to try stuff to get away to escape impending adulthood right like there the like the pressure of becoming an adult and impending adulthood. And there's no, one of the things that's missing from our society is there's no indoctrination. There's no formal indoctrination into becoming an adult, no ritual, no, no circle where you sit with the men or the women or your aunties or your uncles and you get sent out on a mission and then they welcome you into the tribe. This, this, um, um, this ritual, this indoctrination into being an adult is gone. So kids, don't, kids yeah. don't have a path, a clear path to know when they've made it or whether they're on the good, they want to know who they are. They want to know how they fit in. But there's, it's increasingly hard to fit in because a lot of the constructs, a lot of the frameworks that are set up for children are fabrications. They are mm-hmm. illusions, right? Instagram, it, just mm-hmm. an incredible illusion about what real life is like, yet TikTok, incredible illusion about what real life is like, sure. except children are spending all of their time there imagining 
well, and adults, mm-hmm. let's face it, with TikTok and Instagram, spending all of their time there and not understanding that that is a fantasy. Sure. And it's not achievable in real life. Well, right? even most it's, of it, yeah, it's like you have most to create, of it, yeah. Right, like most of it, like like the abs are not achievable. The butt is not achievable the skin tone is not achievable, right? Like we, we are blemished, flawed, flabby, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in mediocre shape individuals, you know, it, as a, in general, as a whole. And as we get older, it's even harder to maintain that. And so children yeah. do not have a realistic idea of, of how, to become themselves. Yeah. There, there's no path for indoctrination. There's no ritual. There's no tribe saying, welcome. You're now part of the tribe that you yeah. belong here. We welcome you. We love you. You're surrounded by people who accept you exactly as you are. Instead of being surrounded by judgment, <laughs> an Instagram world of like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm on this new keto diet so that I can, you know, I can get the abs I want for summer, summer bathing suit season. Like what is, what is that? Yeah. Like when, when I was growing up, we were, we would go to the beach in Denmark and everyone was nude and didn't care what their like the grandparents were nude the children were nude the adults were nude and they were just running in the beach and nobody cared about what their bodies looked like they were just happy to be at the beach yeah and that would never happen in modern american society definitely not here because there's too much there's too much fear around body image there's too much fear about sex there's too much all of these things are forbidden and so again that's just a lot of babble and the bottom line is that children do not have a tribally sanctioned path to be welcomed into the adult world that is interesting i hadn't really thought about that and so how do we you know, how do we do that? How do we set that example? How do we put them, how do we put them around our friends? And like with my, with my daughter, as much as possible, I tried to encourage her to meet and hang out with my female friends who I thought were super interesting, super, maybe even fringy, but women who kind of did it on their own. Exactly. Right. Like mm-hmm. hang out with your aunt Tina, hang out with your aunt Carrie. And none of these people were blood relatives, but sure. they're good enough. You know, like check out your aunt Carrie to see how, you know, how she, she's done her life and she's done her life and hang out. Yeah. Go, just go have lunch to be around the vibe. So you get the feeling of how this adult is in their life and how this adult doesn't have any expectation of you. That's the other thing is they are around so many adults that have expectations of them. And at any given moment, those expectations might be completely unrealistic or just terrifying. Yeah. 
or boring. I mean, like the structure or, of school is eight hours of low grade clerical work, you know, yes. it's like really yes, it's, it's like in their board and they're like, it's mind numbing. So yeah. why not, why not just give in and numb my mind? Exactly. And that's, you know, that is another piece of it for me that is hard to relate to is that I, I, I guess maybe because of how I was raised and, and losing my brother. So my brother definitely, you know, experimented with drugs and he, he was, you know, drunk drinking and, um, and he, he died in a drunk driving accident. He was not the driver. He was the passenger, but he and his friend were leaving a party and rolled the car. And, you know, so like that context of my life, I was 11 when that happened, he was 15. And I, I think like, my parents really like kind of buckled down on my sister and I, like in, in terms of like protection, right? Like protecting us, guarding us from mm -hmm. the outside, but also in coping, in coping with um, challenges that life brings, how to deal with loss, how to deal with, um, you know, peer pressure, how to deal with the, like, that became the focus of, of how I grew up. And I've never, still to this day, I've never tried pot, never. And so I can't relate to using that as a tool to cope. And so it's, it's, I try, but I don't have that experience, right? And my experience is, is like mental toughness is how I was raised <laughs> to deal with stuff. And so like, like, that's what I know. And, and I'm trying, trying to be, um, understanding and open. And, and also I learned so much by being a parent. I've learned so much from my own kids on how they navigate things, you know, that my two girls are very different from each other as well. Like, um, you know, my, my older one, she found her peer group in between second and third grade. She's had the same three, you know, there's four of them, same three friends since third grade. And they're seniors now in high school. And, you know, it's like they, they're good kids. They like reading and hiking. And, you know, I mean, it's just that there's just a, and, and coping with things. We've never had a, a drug problem, but we have honesty and open communication. And I truly do believe that. I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, every parent thinks that, but, but I know the reality with my other one, it's different. It's just, they're different kids, different personalities, different challenges. And, um, and they handle things differently. And so me trying to like navigate the, this other one that I don't quite relate to um, is harder for sure, but I wanna be equally there, equally present and equally understanding um, mm. despite those differences. And it, it, you know, and then I'm not comparing them either to each other. Like this one doesn't do this, why do you? I would never do that. Um, because I know we're different. I'm so different from my sister and I was different than my older brother. You know, it's just, I understand that we're different individuals. You can't, it's not one size fits all. It just doesn't yes. work that way. But yeah. yeah, really trying to like navigate and adjust and <laughs> figure it out. Like, like, okay, we're resetting again, you know, two weeks later, <laughs> we're resetting again. Here we are. Um, but progress has been made in my mind, huge progress. For honesty, yeah. Right? Well, that yeah. I mean, that is huge progress because it's like if she's willing to tell you that, then maybe there's a, a deeper conversation of like, well, how does it feel? I mean, like what? Mm -hmm. We've definitely you know, had that what one. is yeah? What is going on at what is going on at school or and and frankly, you know, you know, like 
if you took took her into the medical system, the medical system might prescribe something that's even worse. Yeah, even even worse, right? Even worse than than pot. Yeah. And that's right. like an even bigger fear for me. And I was, again, also raised that way. My dad, um, PTSD, Vietnam veteran, hated, you know, the medication. Like he was often given mm. medication. He would do it for a little while and then leave it because he hated how it made him feel. Um, yeah. And so I was raised with like, you don't need medication. I mean, I didn't, I barely, you know, took things for headaches, you know, like Advil or Tylenol. Like I, Barely, as I got older, <laughs> pains became more than Advil and you know whatnot. But that's about it for me on on pain. Yeah. Well, I don't even have those in my house. Yeah, that's. I mean, smart. not. Well, not. I mean, it's. I don't know if it's smart or not, but whatever, it. whatever it is, I've always preferred being like when I'm down to be sober, mm-hmm. right? To to actually have all my faculties to be able to feel whatever's going on and to be aware. I don't, I don't like being not being not aware. And that's um, something that I've always liked too is so again, like, you know, kind of a non-drinker until I was 38 years old. I I didn't, I was a non-drinker and at 38 went through divorce and I was like, I'm going to learn how to just have a beer. And then beer doesn't really agree with me. So I was like, I'll, I'll just learn how to have a, a drink once in a while. And so I'm kind of a two or three drinks. Sometimes if I'm home with just Ken and the girls are at their dad's, I'll have a few more. Or whatever. <laughs> I, you know, is- and I, I do let them see me drink, you know, because I want to be an example of drinking responsibly um, and not, you know, I, I do it for relaxation, but it's not a requirement by any means. But yes, that that awareness as a college student I was a very reliable I think we've talked about this before it's just the designated driver very reliable designated driver it was always fascinating to me to watch my friends just kind of everybody seemed like such a fool (laughs) yeah people people turn into idiots yeah I mean some people are you really get to see um the true nature of people though in that like I feel like you really learned who you wanted to spend more time with and who you wanted to spend less time with by watching how they behave in those situations and um yeah I I think that that was always a fascinating sort of social experiment for me it's just like going out with my friends to art openings and afterward there'd always be you know the like yeah the the after parties or whatever and i'd always go but i never partook (laughs) i'll have a i'll have a pepsi um just pass the drugs by and i was like i'm good yeah i i had i had a roommate my first my first uh assigned roommate in college in the dorm was a cocaine dealer so Cocaine became instantly unattractive to me <laughs> yeah, because this this person was such an unsavory individual. And then I had so many people around me who were pot smokers and yeah. dealers and 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 I would always be at the party, but I I never really enjoyed where everybody went when they were stoned or when they were really drunk so I would drink beer at my own pace I would never play the drinking games because for me it was like I I was just a phenomenologist watching all of this stuff go down to me it was a 
to me was a one big science experiment. That and is, I relate to that. Yeah. I was just <laughs> observing, you know, it's observing. like, what is like, like really you're that idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had so many of those, man, but this yeah. is, this is it, right? Like going back to like these. Okay. So experiences that we've had that, you know, inform how we deal with these situations, but always, you know, it, in the spirit of our unconstrained conversation, always trying to do better and always trying to like approach things with a fresh perspective and an opt I, it's for me, an optimistic and open perspective. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that I was trying to do better. I don't know that I cared about what better was at the then at or certain, now. Well, maybe even now, and this is, might be part of the exploration we're doing here, is what I cared about, it wasn't necessarily doing better, it was doing what I felt was right, doing what respected my boundaries. You know, here's I, a question I, that that raises is- Like doing... I didn't feel I was better, sure. I just didn't, I just didn't like what was going on and so i did i did what i did to get what i liked out of the experience whether okay. it was at the party or and there were believe me there were plenty of times where i was drunk and and silly and uh but it was around people who i enjoyed and in situations that were for the most part safe and so in a way it was, I was always being selfish to some extent of just like, what, what do I want out of this? And then if you drink too much, then you don't, I don't, I didn't, I kind of lose the ability to, um, I guess to be, to be aware of what I was wanting, right? Then it was right. just like, ah, oh, whatever, woohoo, yeah, right, let's, right. right, let's, let's drive to Moscow, Idaho, yeah, let's go. Let's I had to make some. notes so I didn't forget, but I want, because I want to go back to kind of like what, okay, first, yeah. like when I say better, I'm not thinking better than the other person, I'm thinking better than I was before, and the, so like even even that, even that, not not like like self-improvement was not part of my that like thinking about self-improvement uh-huh that that was too much that's too much pressure for me i was just trying to be myself right well, like okay that. so but that's the thing like okay so that and and for me when again self-improvement i feel like it implies like i'm constantly at work to be better than i was before but i think by sheer practice of trying to be you, there's a certain sense of progress or a certain sense of, I think I address situations now better than I would have addressed this situation six months ago. And yes. better might be a relative or arbitrary term, but, but there's, you know, like, even if I'm the only one measuring that, I think I handle these situations with Z better now than I did even a yes. year ago. Right. Yeah. And so that's my context of the word better, but then there's that, like, 
you know, saying like, I'm trying, you want to serve what is best for you and to, to truly allow yourself to be you and, you know, nothing more or, or less, but, but truly exist in all your glory. But then we're with other people who maybe have the same goal, but their goal is not aligned with our goal. Right. And so like when that person <laughs> say it's just one person that their their me-ness <laughs> the, the I am being me in all my glory and this is what I choose these are the decisions that I make and those are not aligned with my idea of my me and my best and the the who I want to be and so there's always this sort of dance at least you know, in the context of me and Z and the dance that I've been doing with her for, for a very long time is like, like all noise aside, honesty is really important because I really need to be able to trust you as a parent every day. I let you go to school with your phone because I need you to have a phone in case something goes wrong, right? Like I need to be able to trust you with a device that and the phone is uh, like a years past problem. That's not a problem, right? Like taking the phone away. That was a many years ago. We've moved on from that. But like now, it's it's you know a drug problem. <laughs> so, and, and and I say a drug problem. It's it's pot. And you know we've been able to have conversations. But she's thirteen, and I know that that's not good for your brain at thirteen. But getting her to understand that anyway, like kind of going back to like if this is her being who she is in the best way she knows how. And this is me being at my best, being the most me I know how to be, but they're not aligned. These are different versions. And so we're addressing situations in those contexts always, right? With different people who have different ideas of where they're at and what they want um, out of a situation or a, you know, <laughs> a business or whatever. And so it's, it's figuring out how to work with what you have from this moment and move it toward what works with your values, with what you want the situation to be, right? Um, at least that's how I, I, that's how I navigate things. I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this out there because, and I'll jump gears for a moment to talk work for a second. I, I started a project last year, as you know, I love this project. Like, I really love this project. Um, but the first three months were really just trying to get my head around who this company is. What are their expectations of me really? Is they, they say they want me to be me, but is that truly what they want? And if I put myself out there in me, is it going to conflict with the company or the company values or the company's actual mission? Do I align, right? So that's a question that I'm, often asking myself, and I've been a lot better in this work context about remembering to stay true to myself. I've kind of like, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, here's, here's what they would expect me to do. So I'll, I'll work on this for a little bit. And then I, I stop and I go, this is not me. This is me trying to be what I think they want me to be. But if I'm going to do this, true to my nature and true to who I am, this is what I'm putting out there. And so I'll like, I kind of realign, right? And what I found by doing that is that 
I, I got people on board, like in full force, it, like just this last week, I, I was like, you know what, I'm moving forward anyway, you know, like, th- like, I was getting some barriers. But at a certain level, I was like, do I need to I asked the, the woman who I work with directly, it's like, do I need to let these barriers stop me? Or can I just keep moving? She's like, you keep moving. And <laughs> so we kept moving. And now we have the CEO behind us saying, everybody prioritizes this now. This is what we're working on. And we weren't sure that was going to happen, but it did. And I was like, yeah. So that was a very validating thing. But what happens when, you know, it's misaligned. And they're like, no, 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 no. Shut up and move back here. And then I, I guess for me. That's- well, that's the thing. Yeah, we're, we're not, we're not, <laughs> um, we're not moving backwards. Yeah. And that's. Our, we are, because we, there's too much in front of us. There are literally millions, there are literally millions of dollars in front of us saying you need to prioritize these millions of dollars. Yeah. Not this petty event that has, you know, not this little moment from General Hospital that has got everybody, (laughs) got everybody excited. Yeah. Right. Because this, what's happening is bigger. (laughs) I love that reference. (laughs) This, this uh, soap opera moment. Yeah. And I think the words that I would use, um, it's not like not about being better or not about improving. And certainly those words are appropriate, but even to remove the judgment from that, it's like all of this is a journey of self-discovery. Right. All of these things are a journey of self-discovery your daughter, my daughter, all of these things that we learn from, from our children as we, we get older, they are, it's not necessarily about being better, but about being more true, being more of ourselves, learning who we are in those situations and being true to the, again, better is a good word, but the, the, the purest, I won't say the best part of ourselves, because some people might not like the best part of ourselves, right? Again, it might not align, but it still means that we need to move forward with the purest part of ourselves so that we can get alignment, that we can meet people who are aligned, that we can put ourselves in more favorable situations that welcome who we are. And so with our with our kids, it's also not about teaching them how to be better because being better is from their point of view, it's totally arbitrary and it has nothing to do with them. Yeah. Right. But what is the path to being more of themselves, to being true to themselves? Part of that is being honest and welcoming the honesty. And then it's like, well, if you're smoking pot, that's there to fill some void. It's there to temper something that doesn't necessarily feel as good. And frankly, a day at a day at school in a modern day school, <laughs> right? It's got to suck with under with underpaid teachers and and uh, and um, just the anti-intellectualism in general that's going on in the United States yeah. really kind of ruins school in a lot of ways. That's why I feel, you know, I'm, and, I'd love to 
bipolar out of school. So my oldest one withdrew from public school and does an online school. And she did that before the pandemic. Yeah. And with this, with this one, I kind of want to pull her out and just design our own curriculum. But she loves, she really loves her friends and the social aspects of school. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, we well, can get those in other ways. You know, there are other ways to. Well, what you can, you can bring, you know, you can bring her, maybe bring her friends into the yeah. whatever extracurricular stuff you might have or, yeah. or get her into things that her friends might also get her into good things that her friends might also be interested in. Yeah. But again, it's, it's the, and with, with my daughter, she, you know, from, from Z's age to, let's say, till maybe she was 19 years old or 18 years old. She did just about everything to subvert her success. Yeah. Just, just lying <laughs> omission. Yeah, <laughs> Not, omission's a big omission. one. I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you this piece. <laughs> it's like, uh, right. <laughs> and, um, and then when the omission is discovered, then there was lying. Yeah. And then, then there's shock that you would actually there was actually a consequence for lying <laughs> but the the thing is is there's a point where she figured it out where she became self-motivated yeah. i don't know how it happened it was some kind of miracle she had a realization that she wanted to get out of the situation she was in she saw something that she really liked and that she could work toward that was realistic she got a scholarship she worked a job had a scholarship and she was at her program from seven in the morning till six in the evening then you're too busy at, to get in trouble right like <laughs> yeah well she was she was well beyond getting into trouble and i'm sure there's plenty of stuff that i don't know about but sure and she's tried she's tried all kinds of drugs and and but i didn't i didn't worry about her i knew she was smart enough right yeah. i didn't worry about and that's the other thing about when we say something like i give you a phone in case something bad happens well, that puts a lot of pressure on that relationship with the phone because <laughs> we went to school and we didn't have phones. No phone. I didn't have a phone and, until. And there was plenty of, I mean, come on. There was plenty of potential for bad stuff to happen. Oh, always, right? Especially, especially with, you know, especially with half of the guys on the football team out behind the school shooting crows with the rifles that were in the back of their pickup trucks. Yeah. And uh, actually one of my brother's school friends uh, shot himself through the leg and um, ruined a promising baseball career just because, you know, everybody had guns, everybody was hunting, everybody was goofing around, blowing stuff up with black powder. There was all kinds of, you know, but so, so there was plenty of dangerous stuff, but also there is that trust like that the the psychology of trust is also conveyed in the language of like if the reason 
if you're if the overt reason that's being stated is that you have a phone because it's necessary for your safety because one something bad might happen to you or two you might do something stupid it's that's, more that you might need help <laughs> I want you to right that, but, but you yeah. might need help but the thing is is if you are if if we and I'm just getting into the potential belief systems or frameworks that could be around saying things like that. If we, if we believe in our kids, it's like they, they, um, and their own ability to navigate, right? Cause the phone in some way is just another, it's a two way portal. It's one, it's a kind of a nanny mechanism. And two, it's a portal into the illusory world, the illusory <laughs> future world that of expectation that they're headed into, right? right. So it's uh, one way it's kind of a, and so those two things are pushing and pulling. That phone is pushing and pulling. And I'm just talking about the, all the metaphors that go with the language and the, right, the, privile right. the privilege of a kid having a phone. One, it's... I, if I want, I can track your every move. Sure. It's a tether in, in, right. or a leash in a lot of but, ways, for sure. But also it is a, it's a vacuum and a suction to Instagram and all of that, that other stuff. And that's just a difference in the times. But so how the question then is, is how do we change the language or the feeling about the privilege of the phone and the world that you live in and how do we as adults extend if extend that trust back to them like how do we change our thinking about our kids one thing that i was lucky is that i recognized early early on that my daughter had really good bullshit radar like mm -hmm. really good radar yeah. And I was able to encourage it from a very young age. Like we were walking hand in hand at a music festival at Bumbershoot here, which is tens of thousands of people and everybody's drunk and running around and it's summer and, and, uh, and, and we're hand in hand and we're just walking at Seattle center under the, you know, near the space needle. And there's a bunch of venues that were going past and food stands and there's a fountain. And all of a sudden I feel my daughter's hand tug on me and pull me in another direction. And then I look and like 30 yards away, there's like a guy with a shirt off standing on some stone feature next to a fountain and he's doing really goofy shit and he's yelling and screaming. I didn't notice him at all, but my daughter saw him from really far away and felt the energy and just pulled me in another direction. Like, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to go in that direction. Mm. And that really bolstered my trust in her. Yeah. Uh, I really, I really knew that I could trust her to see things maybe even more. I still trust that maybe even more than she trusts it now as an adult. I do feel like that with Sophia. A, a yeah. Lot, very much. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so that, that was, I guess, lucky for both of us. And so where, how do we find those things to create a world where they also believe that they are trusted?
right? Like that, 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 like, here's a framework to show you how to make good decisions. Here's, here's friends that, or here are friends that I think are cool and good and, and, right. or here, or here are people, here are adults that maybe you could spend some time with who love you, who don't have any I expectations think- so that you're free. So that as a child, you're free to dream about, well, what would it be like to be that person or to have yeah. this job or to be in this artistic situation? And so where are those tricks that don't so one is that's a hard one for me because I am such an introverted person I don't hang out with a lot of people but I do we do have some people in our lives like I feel like my sister I feel like Ken's sister is a great example you know but she also lives in Chicago we live in Vegas so being around her is a heck of a lot harder Um, yeah and that's that's one of the and we like you know one of the challenges I think of now is like if you grow up in the suburbs like we are we're in the suburbs of we live in these cookie cutter communities everybody stays in their house we're in these little containers and you know like going out to play is a different situation when we went out to play we had miles of desert in every direction you know it was go out and play and our parents worried but not like you might get hit by a car or you might be abducted like maybe but less I don't know I just feel like we have those those worries but yeah like the the examples I think is a great that's one thing that has worked well for also a challenge for me because I don't get out much and so I have a very extroverted personality child in a household with extreme introverts right I mean me Ken and Soph are all extremely introverted and then Zia's dad is also on the very extreme side of introvert. Um, yeah. And so she's, she's surrounded by people that she can't relate to in a lot of ways. She needs to be engaged in social yeah. stuff. And it's very hard for me. I, I mean, that piece is very hard for me. And I've tried, I hired an assistant for specifically to kind of hang out with Zia because she was an extroverted person um who helped me a lot and I think she was good in a lot of ways but then yeah then then there were like things where it was like conspiring against me and I was like that's not the goal (laughs) yeah you know you don't have to team up against me let's try to collaborate here yeah and I'm paying and and I'm I'm for one of you well I'm 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 feeding one of you and I'm paying you're paying the other one of you exactly (laughs) so conspiring against me is really not the the goal here but yeah Anyway, so yeah. that's a challenge that I face and I'm I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying oh well I can't because it's not that. It's 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 that this is a a real challenge that I've faced. Um in my own, you know, trying to navigate this situation with Z in particular, it's I know that there are things that she needs that I'm not giving her, which sucks as a parent because you want to do your best. Um you want to be a great parent and and I'm not a terrible parent. But I know there are things that she needs that I'm not excelling at, if that makes sense. Well, again, we are back to the original, my original premise is we don't, we don't have a system anymore to welcome people (laughs) into the tribe. (laughs) 
And it takes, and the thing is, is we can't be, and we know this in marriage, we know this in child rearing, that we can't be everything for someone else. That's impossible. Right. And peop, and But we do need, especially for young people, we need a path to show them how they can be everything for themselves. They need to be able to put into their imagination possibilities that fit who they are. Yeah. And I am not my daughter. You are not. Exactly. Your, you are not your children, right? And so they need examples that seem realistic and they need, uh, and right, it, we know it takes a tribe to raise a child, right? In, in the Aboriginal societies where there's a high level of satisfaction and self-esteem, there are numerous aunties who are taking care of children. There are mm -hmm. uncles who are managing rituals. There are elders who hold, um, you know, who hold space for, uh, right? There's a, there's a whole pathway to becoming an old person of a very strong framework in tribal society that gives people confidence, gives young people confidence uh, that maybe there's a way, at least if the tribe is diverse enough, right? And now, um, but in our society is seemingly less tolerant in a number of ways and doesn't just doesn't have these right especially i mean imagine being gay or being or in growing up in a very conservative community yeah right and yeah. and i have i mean i have I have friends who were in that I had in college who were closeted all the way up through most of their professional careers. Yeah. And I, they, they yeah. were working in what I thought were liberal industries, one in the outdoor industry. And, and he kept that secret from every other executive in this uh, $2 billion corporation. Man. Yeah, and that's uh, <laughs> not uncommon. Uh, still, right? right? Still, and yeah. so, and so, so where, where is my, where is my tribe? First of all, and then where are the, where are the frameworks? As how do I become a, a revered old person in my tribe? How to where is a path that supports me in being myself as I get older? And we don't have. We don't have that. We don't have like in in um, in some European countries. In Germany, you have lots of different schools, trade schools, apprentice programs, yeah. uh, and even then, that isn't always enough for the most creative and the most um, let's say. Uh, unique people it isn't it even that isn't enough it's too constraining yeah so then i think it comes down to hoping that they discover something that their that their world is rich enough that they discover something because i 
I didn't have, I didn't have that power to expose my daughter to all those things. She discovered some of those things by herself. I didn't, I didn't say, Hey, how about this? Or how about that? She discovered it. Yeah. And then, and then was encouraged, was encouraged to go for it and celebrated. But, um, but I didn't make that discovery for her. I didn't, I didn't create that path for her. I just uh, bolstered her trust that she could, you know, that, that she was making good decisions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot there when it comes to the parenting piece. And I think that's such a great point about like, like how the, the tribal structure of, welcoming into adulthood and you know it just doesn't exist anymore and it's interesting that it doesn't it's it is what a an amazing foundation that must have been you know um well i the good thing with my uh, see and uh, this is the difference between my daughter and and z and is or kate well not the difference but the similarity is that kate is also very gregarious and i would take her to all the parties and events when from the time she was like through from the time I she was that's good for kids and ambulatory I, yeah. she was running around at parties yeah. at the feet of adults by the time she was 10 she was like mick learning how to sh- do mix up martinis and make drinks for the adults she wasn't drinking but mm-hmm. she loved learning how to operate the shaker and yeah. strain the right and I she think that's good though like i mean I, and she I, became a minor celebrity yeah. in and amongst the adults and that's something that yeah my, neither of mine have ever had and probably never will get because I, I am not that person i don't go to things i don't enjoy going to things usually yeah. you know it's like i given the option it's like i mean even remember early on in our our things i was like i got invited to a birthday party and this is something i would normally say no to and i said yes and i, I had a great time it was a wonderful experience um and I've, I've, ju- I've just said yes to two other things just recently because I realized that I had gone back and back and forth. That's relative. But like I had defaulted, I think, uh, out of, yeah, I don't usually enjoy these things. I, and it's not even that I don't usually enjoy them. I don't enjoy the idea of them, I think, is more, <laughs> you know, it's like. If if I'm at, if you're gonna ask me which would you prefer to go out and do a thing or to stay home and do a thing, I'm gonna pick stay home every time. I love being home. I love being home. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's great. And if I want to go out and do a thing, I do. But it's not usually with numbers of people. Um, it's usually with Ken or my kids or you know somebody's in well, town that I enjoy seeing or whatever. Well, when I would suggest, because you have an expert, when you go to a party that you, you take your daughter and she will be your interpreter to the extroverted world. Yeah, really. And you can just sit, you can just sit back and post up in a comfy chair next to a coffee table or something. Yeah. And then watch your daughter do her thing. Yeah. 
and, and that's inter- and she can be your she can be your interpreter or your docent that's <laughs> something na- that navigating I, navigating the social event that's you know something that i've started doing a little more of is because because we have the ability to work from anywhere and we're not uh necessarily quarantined anymore you know like we're not being asked to stay at home and not go anywhere um is just trying to let them like we've done the skating rink is a great one she loves to skate and so we'll go to the skating rink and we just i tell her like let your friends know we're going to be there from 11 to 2 and they're welcome to join us i'm going to be sitting at a table with my computer and a pizza (laughs) and writing and, and and just doing my thing well, she can go be social. And we've done that. We've done that quite a bit. And then there's like a Dave and Busters, which the kids love because there's all these games and they can, you know, same thing. I'm like, I'm going to dock here, work on what I want to work on, but I'll be here. You can come get food and drinks and all of that stuff, but go play. <laughs> like, so yeah. Dave and Busters is so, such a funny thing. It's like grown up Chuck E. Cheese. Um, but yeah, it's but they have lots of games and things and food and and I can just sit there for a few hours and be in my own world while the the kids can bring friends or invite friends to come and go as they please and there's not a lot of social obligation for me. I can stay in my little world mm-hmm. and so we've been doing that kind of thing a lot more lately to get, get out of the house because it's got to be um, hard as a kid to be confined to your house. All the time. Oh no, terrible. Yeah. 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 We were never we were never allowed to even have anyone over at our house. Yeah, and that's the thing too is they're allowed to have people over there, you know, but there's always that like who is it? And like they have friends that they've had for a long like Gigi, Zia's friend Gigi, we've had since you know, yeah. she they were two. They've been they've been friends since they were two. But Gigi's a she's in the dance program, and so she's often not available anymore. And so, yeah, like I, I think we're, we're okay with people being over. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things too. Where like, I have like kind of like this much capacity for it. Like, I'm like, you can have people over and these are the times. <laughs> and then we got to, we've got stuff to do, or we've got other thing, you know, I need a break from there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but I am trying to do more of that sort of thing where we get out and then you just let your friends know we're going to be here from this time to this time. If they want to come join, they're welcome. I'm happy to buy food and even like little tokens for the whatever, pay for their skates, whatever it is. I'm happy to do that. Um, if it, you know, if they can get a ride here and a pickup, I'm even happy to drive people home if I have space in the car um, or pick up if needed. But yeah, trying to do more of that stuff and yeah, feel, you know, fill those spaces in that way yeah well it's not necessarily what you do but it's how you feel yeah about and I your do. kid about your kid that makes the biggest impact <laughs> and the- it's like there's so much love like I love my kids so much you know parent, most parents most parents do I will um generously say <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but parents who are trying they definitely love their kids right like um yeah, it's, sure. It's, I mean, as much as we can love and accept ourselves is as much as we can love and accept our kids. Yeah. Ultimately, that's it. That's just that's just where it begins and ends is the as much as I accept myself and grant uh, amnesty 
to myself for all of my trespasses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as much as I can love myself and feel good about the world I'm living in is as much energy as I have to give and attention as I have to give others around me. And that, you know, that includes my kid yeah. who uh, I was reminded sent me a sent me a uh, photo from her pimp and Airbnb in San Francisco. So uh, she was flexing on me, I think, because <laughs> she's, she's working. In, she's working in San Francisco right now and she nice. has an awesome view. And that's so really I got cool. I guess I got to call her up and give her congratulations. Cause <laughs> you definitely do. That's a, that's a fun thing. That's what, you know, I have to, um, last year I tried to make a point of just, just get like, we did a trip to Monterey, California. And I love, Mon I love I Monterey. Too. I love it there. And so just the girls and I did a road trip out and back uh, across three days and it was super fun. We had a great time. We sang in the car and we, but like the road trip was as much as, you know, the trip. And, and then a few months later we did, let's see, we did Zion and then we did, um, what did we do? Hawaii. We stayed at a architectural landmark yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you, the brought, you oh, broadcasted. Right. We, we recorded from but Hawaii. So I, I was like, "Would you guys like to do anything like that again?" And I, it, it warmed my heart. The Zia said, "I really my that experience in the Onion House was one of my favorite." She said because we it was just like quiet and relaxing, and she's like because my vacation we didn't do a lot of touristy stuff right it was like we went and we did a little bit but like we had people who were like you're not scuba diving you're not you didn't do this you didn't do that and I was like that wasn't what it was about for us it wasn't about doing everything it was about relaxing it was about being in a beautiful space in a beautiful environment and just breathing and yeah and re relieving ourselves of expectation exactly exactly <laughs> and I, I believe that they felt that too I mean Z very openly expressed that she's like it was so relaxing and so nice and um I would love to do that again even in the same place I was like oh that's great I um I've probably told this story but I remember a moment when my daughter was 13 and and she had had a cell phone by then, a flip phone, mm -hmm. right? So that her mom could monitor her. And it really was a leash, right? Mm -hmm. Like you had to call and... Oh, okay, yeah. Right, like, <laughs> like there, no, but there was the latch, there was a certain element of latchkey kid yeah. and fear. And, and so, but she was with me for the weekend and uh, we had, I signed her up for this leadership camp led by a, at a, an institute called the Pacific Institute, which was run by a guy named Tom Shampoo, C-H-A-M-P-O-U-X. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool name. And, uh, and so this is one of these institutes that's been around since the 80s, human potential. And so they have this program for kids, a leadership program yeah, for kids. Yeah. Right, how to how to be a leader, how to express yourself, and and it was run. It was led by an ex Seahawks football player who was, you know, kind of a minor celebrity in the Northwest. But the thing is, is it was a day with a completely different agenda. 
I just drove her out there. I dropped her off. I knew she was in good hands. Yeah. I, and, and she didn't have to call her mom because she was with me. And I said, um, when I'll just come pick you up when you're done. I'll just come pick you up at prearranged time. I don't know that I called her anything. Yeah. I just drove to where the... Uh, and this is in West Seattle. So it's by the beach and there's a, there's this park with nice little rolling grass, little, little hillocks there. And I pull up and she's just laying in the grass, arms akimbo, <laughs> looking in the sky. And I go, Kate, how's it going? Oh, dad, it's so great. I feel oh. so free. I don't need to call mom. I don't need to be anywhere. I just feel so free. Cause yeah. she had a day what was nothing but somebody else filling her with all kinds of positive strategies and meeting a bunch of new people with different ideas and completely removing herself from the pressured world of having to answer to her mom or having to be on a schedule with me and mm -hmm. And then, but the, 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 the picture of her just laying there with her arms spread out and just facing the sky in the grass. And she, and she may have even had her phone in her hand, but yeah. just cause you had to hold on to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you had to have it, you had to have it with yeah. you, but she's just like, dad, I feel so free. I love that. And she really understood, like the way she said it was like a really pure understanding of freedom, like freedom to be yourself, freedom to not be on any, have any expectation. She and got it. Absorb, in that, absorb everything around you. That is beautiful. And in that moment. Yeah. And so I wish that moment over and over for all kinds of kids and myself even yeah. right like all the expectations all the things that we feel we have to do but when we are that free we really are the most use and have the and have the ability to experience the most joy with anyone who's around us like at that moment like my daughter was totally available to the world to be her, be herself, right? Like to be the purest expression of herself in that moment, totally unencumbered. She was totally unconstrained in that moment, I right? Just, love it. just free, ah, right? That's it. And that, <laughs> right. And, that's but that, that's what, that's what reminds me of, you know, or that that's what you reminded me of when you told me about that vacation going yeah. to that place is at that moment, you and, and, and Zia and so were completely unencumbered, yeah. separated from the material world that had expectation. Yeah. And it was, it was funny. Cause I, I remember like leading into it, I had somebody ask me if I could do a, be on a, a keynote panel or, or something like that on Tuesday. And initially I had said yes. And then I thought about it and I was like, I don't actually want to do this. So yeah. I quickly wrote back and said, you know what? I don't think the Wi-Fi is going to be strong enough at this, uh, 
at where I'm going because it did say it was rustic or whatever and I, I just thought you know what like I'd rather like I let them know immediately right away I gave them three names of, of other people I think would make a great replacement and and just um I retracted that within a couple of days of initially I'd said yes and I was like I don't want this obligation um while I'm there in that space unconstrained was different because it was this you know it was uh mm -hmm something welcome and <laughs> enjoyable well, again well you were free to choose and, and i think that was it i didn't have i didn't have to check email i didn't have to like i didn't have to do anything for anyone just be there and be me and you know like i i think you know we talk often in our unconstrained series about finding those moments of joy finding joy and the moments where you feel exactly how you want to feel and making more of them and you know extending the space between when they happen and when they're not happening and um that was such a long run of that feeling for me which was great and i i do find that i'm able to because i've identified what it feels like and what it looks like in several different forms it's not always going to Hawaii in a, you know, a beautiful Airbnb, but like it, it might be sometimes, and it might be sitting on my couch at home, um, you know, but because I've identified that feeling and I know what it feels like, I feel like it becomes easier to create it more and more. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a little bit of that this morning where I just woke up and I'm yes. just turned the music on yeah. and then all of a sudden it's eight or eight 30 and I don't know how long I've been listening to music. I just know that at some point that the, uh, the sky got light yeah, and that the day was beginning, but I wasn't paying attention to anything and I was really enjoying the trip of listening to the music because the especially this music this kind of music that i when i was a kid or enjoyed in the 70s with my friends um i can also we were listening to it on bad stereos on yeah. scr scratchy records and now i have these high res, you know, high resolution, full, you know, uncompressed streaming. Yeah. And I listen to it. I'm going, wow, that organ is just incredible. Those guitar solos in there, the, and his, you know, the, the voice, just yeah. hearing the pure, the purity and the imperfections and the voices and the harmonies. And it's a completely new experience, yet it's grounded in the joy that I had when I first heard it. I love. And so, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know, and people don't necessarily do that anymore. Uh, this listening to an album from beginning to end, or listening to a a a, a mixtape. Be and um it's usually the music is on in the background the music is kind of a balm or a medication right. in a way but active listening and taking the time trip doing the time travel and then coming into the future you know co taking the time travel like wow i remember when i remember when my friend howie's band played this at our you know 
this yeah. Molly hat. I remember when they played this Molly hatchet tune at a school assembly and I thought it, I, it was, a, I had never even heard of Molly hatchet until these guys played this. And then I was like, and they were so good. And then this Molly hatchet song is really good. <laughs> and now here, whatever, 40, you know, 45 years into the future, it's still really good. And there's so much more to it. That's um, right? and the music memory. Um, I find I did actually a writing series on music memories one mm -hmm. year. It's been a while, but like how it's like a time travel portal. Almost. It is time travel. Yes, it is. And so my my kids play with School of Rock now, and we actually have a show tomorrow and a show next Sunday, each kid respectively, um, Zia, then Soph. Um, and, but they play a lot of stuff and I don't know, we were driving in the car on our way to School of Rock and it was a, a Metallica song came on. It was an older one. They like, often they'll play stuff like the Black Album or whatever, but it was a really, really old one, like Ride the Lightning, like older Metallica song. And it, it was one of those, like, I just transported back in time to, um, my brother, the first time I heard Metallica was in my my brother's bedroom he'd just gotten the tape set tape and he was like come listen to this with me you have to hear this as band um and so like i'm laying on the floor i was in probably third or fourth grade too like I mean, i'm laying on the floor my brother like he's got his little stereo sitting right in front of us he puts the tape in and he unfolds the album art right like from the cassette yeah. you can like unfold the liner it. the liner notes, liner notes the... exactly and like he really taught me to appreciate that um like the that experience and that was something i did all the way up until i mean even in this home when i had my cd player but like going through that really listen like we go through the songs and he'd be like oh did you hear that and he'd rewind it and play it again and then we do it again and again he's like listen to that listen to that like you know it's just, yeah um i remember hearing like ozzy that was another one ozzy osborne like flying high again song you know just in the same way like you unfold the liner notes and you're you're listening and the tape player's right there in front of you you know and if we just we were kids we had the your tape player like this big right and yeah and um man just like that experience is still with me. I still like when I hear those songs, I remember my brother's excitement for like, wait, listen to this variation at the end. Like he says this every time through the song, but at the very end, he changes the word, you know? And I'm just yeah. like, every time I hear it and I'm like, yeah, or the guitar, you know, varied just slightly. And his ability to hear that stuff um, was always amazing to me. But like, that's what, that's what I, so I shared that story with my kids too. I'm like, oh, this is Metallica. This is how we used to listen to music. You know, I get so excited yeah. about it. But yeah, yeah, it is. It was yeah. such an experience, an immersive feeling. Yeah. We, I mean, we would sit in the middle of the room. You'd put mm -hmm. on Dark Side of the Moon. You'd put on, right? <laughs> See, and I up. never did that one, but I know, <laughs> know what you're right. talking about. Yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm just from an earlier generation. Yeah. So we were we were listening to a different <laughs> set of bands. But well, that's the, what my kids the experience are listening to was, now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if um, we would do, we had, we would do this over and over. Uh, if you listen to the Rolling Stones, Gimme Shelter, 
Yeah. You know, there's a refrain where there's a, the, uh, a woman singing in the background. Yeah. Uh, give me, give me the, give me shelter refrain. She's singing okay. that in the background in a very high voice and she goes through it this, uh, three times. And on the third time you can hear her voice crack. Oh, uh, that's great. And then you hear in the background in the studio, somebody goes, woo, <laughs> just very faint, those. Yeah, very faint, but you can hear it in the background. When her voice cracks, somebody goes, woo, in the studio and they <laughs> just amazing. left it in the album. Yeah. And we would, we would sit and listen to that over and over. You just put the, yeah. put the, put the needle so back, funny. listen yeah. to it over and over and over because it was just such a pure moment in the studio and i'll have to i'm gonna see if i'll have to listen to um you know i'll have to listen to an apple music version if i can find that version yeah because That's it's re part. it's really remarkable because a lot of these things have been remastered exactly. and all of that stuff has been taken out my cousin Marie and I used to, we had a 45. This is so funny. Like our parents always gave us like old records or whatever of theirs to listen to. Similar experience though. Marie and I were listening to the song Ruby by Kenny Rogers on a 45. Mm -hmm. And she had noticed there was like a honking sound at the end. And it was like, like the very end, the music does this repetitious sort of ding, 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 ding. and then there was like a wonk and we replayed it over and over and over and just laughed. Like we laughed every time that honk sound would, was made. And I've gone back to try to find it and I can never find it, but it was on that 45. <laughs> it was, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny, but yeah, like I think it's been it's been cleaned up, it's been eradicated from from the music archives. But it was so funny. We just, I mean, we laugh and replay it and laugh and replay it. Yeah, we did. We would do the same thing with that with with "Gimme the Rolling Stones" yeah. song "Gimme Shelter." That's amazing. I love that. stuff like this, though. This is a uh, those moments yeah. of just immersion right you're immersed in the joy of what you're hearing what you're feeling the discovery discovering something and being transported and that is that's priceless but that's an important navigation mechanism <clears throat> and somehow we need to bolster that in and our, apply in it our right kids. yeah and yeah, apply and, it and apply yeah. it to these situations like we were talking about in the beginning it's like we move forward with this this is like the being that we want to have and so yeah even this is these experiences well, <laughs> yeah. yeah and so it's like this is the way I want to feel mm -hmm. in my business yes. this is the way I want to feel in my community this is the way I want to feel in my circle of friends and family and this is the way I want to feel on my own exactly right so in every dimension of my life public and private i want to have the freedom to feel this way i want to be free yeah i want to be able to access that feeling of laying on the grassy knoll and staring into the sky and going i feel free this yeah this <laughs> <laughs> oh this. stefan I think we did it. <laughs> yeah.
Oh, this was great. What a what a journey we've been on today. Yeah. Eso. <laughs> Eso, this. This. This is exactly it. Oh man. Well. What do we even call? What do we even call this episode? That's what I want to call this episode. <laughs> this. this. I'm gonna write that down because that's that's what it feels like. This. This. With all capital letters, this. I'm constrained. I'm writing it down. Um, all right. And all right, I, gonna... uh, yeah, I'm going to stay seated until I get this downloaded and then I'll upload it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do that so I don't forget because we're right. recording a little later in the week than normal. Yeah. Thank you for, for those, by the way. For sure. For, for for those of you listening, this episode was recorded on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Join us again. <laughs> we'll and, be back. And if you're interested, I will put uh, um, I will put the link to my uh, "Time Loves a Hero" Southern Southern Rock Definitely playlist. Do Definitely do that, so that you can all enjoy the band and uh leonard skinnard and the allman brothers and uh, zz top and uh molly hatchet and uh who else uh little feet all right one of, one of my favorites maybe maybe you listening to those songs will be transported back in time <laughs> back you'll create time. new experiences back to the back to the back to the 70s <laughs> to feel the bliss of the moment <laughs> the experience of listening to something that makes you just feel free now, and what's what i will say is that i wasn't i those weren't the albums i bought in the 70s right. that right. was like that was stuff that i just that some of my musician friends were listening to and some of my musician friends were playing because we were in a rural community and people were listening to uh, right <laughs> Leonard, Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. But the musicianship is incredible. And, and I've done a playlist of stuff that I was listening to in the seventies and on AM radio, because before we, because when I grew up, we didn't even really have, cassettes weren't that big yet it, yeah. it took it took until late in the 70s before any of us had access to a sony walkman or yeah that's right and so 45s and portable eight track yeah <laughs> in my early well years. we we definitely had eight we definitely had eight track i remember us driving up skiing with a kiss eight track yeah, tape nice. in the in the in the deck but uh um Maybe I'll share the other, maybe I'll, I have a few songs on another 70s playlist that are more, they are AM, they're the AM radio hits. Nice, nice. I love that and, stuff too. And and what's wild is when you, when at least when I hear them now in high fidelity, they're incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. But also because <laughs> they were, because they were recorded for AM radio, they're really clear and easy to listen to because you had to your song had to survive an am radio broadcast you couldn't do a super in intricate highly orchestrated song 
it had to have it had to have really clear lyrics it had to have very defined musicianship and it had to be short with a hook right and so that's what worked on am radio and then when you got to fm and higher fidelity you could start listening to things like steely dan and you know things that were more orchestrated and sophisticated yeah but the you know at any rate that's old people talking about music. Uh, I, like it. I like it. Man. Uh, All right. Well, Jamie, we've done it again. We have indeed. Thank you, Stefan. Um, Th- and until thank you. the next one. Until, until Thursday. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye.